This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to the Must Listen To Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show in Acadiana and dare I say the entire state under the dome with CD right here in Acadiana's number one sports station, Undisputed Facts here. 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com and also streaming worldwide on the free 1037 the game mobile app presented by Visit Avery Island. And trust me, we got one heck of a show on tap for you today. I'll give you the guest list in just a little bit. And I gotta say, just looking forward to it. It's gonna be one heck of a weekend, just everything breaking down. We got Super Regionals, we've got a lot of things going on this weekend. NBA Finals, UFC 238 tonight, a whole lot of things. I know it's probably hard to fit it all within two hours, but we're going to try our damnedest to do so. And, you know, we like to do things a little bit differently here on Under the Dome. We like to do things very differently. So why not start off with a look at what's going on heading into your weekend when it comes to the world of sports. Also, more importantly, find out what's on tap. All right, starting things off, I think we all got to start off with what's causing all this, and that is LSU Florida State. This is going to be an absolute barn burner of a series between two absolute legends in their in their field, and that has to be without a doubt, Mike Martin and Paul Maneri. Mike Martin trying to extend his magical final season as the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles at least just a little bit longer. And Mike Martin, he wound up having a little interesting reaction upon seeing Alec Box Stadium for the first time, in person at least. I've got to be very honest with you. When I walked in this place today, I felt like Gomer Powell. Golly! Because it was absolutely beautiful. And when we got our guys together, we said that. This is a gorgeous place to play baseball. It really is a fantastic place to have some baseball, and it's even better for super regional play. Best of three. Winner punches their ticket to Omaha. LSU is certainly wanting to do that because I think everybody's preseason expectations was for them to get to the Big O. And the Big O meaning, obviously, Omaha and I think they definitely have a good chance to do so. But trust me, they need to do a lot of things to be able to get to that point. Obviously, you know, one of the big things that I've heard about, a caller brought up an astute point earlier in the week about the Tigers' offense. All season long, they've allowed about six and a half runs per game. And even when you look at what they've done in the last, like, let's say 20 games, since this series against Ole Miss starting on May the 3rd, they've averaged about the same amount of runs per game and it's just crazy, you know, when you think about that that old Miss series. Meanwhile, 
Florida State, that same time frame, mind you, a couple less games because they want to get bounced out in the ACC baseball tournament a little bit earlier. I have to say, you know, this is a 7.2 runs per game team. That can wind up doing you a lot of damage, especially with two freshmen on the bump for these first two games. It could work out really well for you heading into the College World Series to save up Eric Walker as much as possible. Because we all know, I feel like, again, this is all hindsight being 2020 and also purely hypothetical, but if Eric Walker was 100%, he was probably going to lead this team to winning another national championship. And I feel like you save him up, you rest him up. If you can, if you had the luxury to, that winds up helping you out a whole lot more, especially whenever you just creep a little bit closer to, obviously, the big thing. That big game, that big best of three series to determine who's the national champion. Because you can wind up having Eric Walker maybe start game one. That can wind up helping you get a 1-0 edge against whoever it's going to be. And right now, it feels like anybody's guess but who could win that series. And I'll give you some deets on that in a little bit because, trust me, it is a very, very interesting series. That being said, looking forward to that. And then also, we've got a lot of great things going on outside of LSU Florida State. The Stanley Cup coming up tomorrow night, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And if you're a fan of the St. Louis Blues, they are one game away from securing their first ever Stanley Cup. And, you know, I was just thinking about this earlier when kind of just prepping out the show, was that this isn't like, oh, hey, one of these expansion teams from like the 90s or the 80s, you know, where they've been around for a hot minute. No, the St. Louis Blues have been around for a long, long time. Since 1967, as long as the New Orleans Saints have been around, and they're just one game away from reaching the pinnacle of the sport and holding up Lord Stanley, and then we'll hear Gloria one final time, maybe on a loop for the next like month and a half. And trust me, this is going to be one hell of a Stanley Cup so far. Game 5 is going to be tomorrow night. The Blues one win away from winning the Stanley Cup, and that would be absolutely amazing. And it's, again, it's just incra- crazy to think, you know, you do the research about the trials and tribulations of this franchise. It's a lot like the Saints, where they almost got booted out of St. Louis, Missouri, largely because you know the money wasn't necessarily like there. The financial troubles, there's a lot of struggles due to the World Hockey League. It's, it's a whole story I'm not going to get into because I don't have nearly enough time. But of course, I am intrigued by that. And I, even as a big time Bruins fan, I've, I've admitted that as much. But the Blues have really shown to be a formidable team when compared. So what we're seeing from the St. Louis Blues, and my goodness, it's going to be impressive to see these two teams face off again. And I have to say, Sunday going to be primo couch potato time because I'm talking about LSU Florida State. A game two is going to be at like 5:30, and then and then you have the Stanley Cup Finals being later that night. That's going to be perfect for me. I'm going to be able to just like veg out and enjoy some hockey and some baseball. That's a perfect Sunday in my book. Mind you, next week we're going to have the U.S. Open. That's going to be even better. And trust me, I'm looking forward to that as well. Another thing that's not necessarily on the top of my radar list, but I think everybody is talking about it, and that is the Belmont Stakes. Belmont Stakes going down today, the final leg of the Triple Crown, which hasn't got nearly as much pull as it has in the past. Tacitus, he's the... That horse is the morning line favorite at 9-5 to five odds. Not a lot of hype around this one, and I'll throw this question your way. You can call me up 
337-706-0111 about this and a litany of other topics. I don't care. Just jump in the line whenever you feel comfortable. But, you know, looking at Tacitus being the morning line favorite, I want to know this. Are you excited about this Belmont Stakes, or has the Kentucky Derby kind of put a black mark on not only the sport as a whole, but also kind of how you view kind of your your big sports? Because I feel like this is supposed to be a major event, and it just feels like after the Kentucky Derby and that whole ordeal, not necessarily as many people are interested because, one, you had the winner of the Kentucky Derby and the real winner of the Kentucky Derby not participate in the Belmont Stakes each for different reasons. You had the pre-rate favorite bow out due to an entrapped epiglottis, which is an amazing story in and of itself. Just everything that happened with the Kentucky Derby was, it was weird. It was a wild and woolly last couple months. And hopefully, you know, you see the sport get better next year and everybody can kind of, Forget about the controversy and enjoy horse racing for what it is. Sure, there's a lot of stuff going on at Santa Anita. That's also another thing that's maybe turning away the fans of the sport from a national perspective. I'm just talking about strictly from here in the Acadian area and probably a little bit further beyond. Like uh, let's, just, let's go with the boot in general, if, wherever you're listening in at. And trust me, that's going to be something that I think everybody's going to be talking about going forward. And then, of course, you know, we're talking about things that are going on, what's on tap. I think this is something really cool going on this weekend. And that is the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And my my goodness, you've got a star-studded class this year getting inducted later today in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And I throw up this poll question. I want to get your pulse on that as well on Twitter, at 103.7thegame. And, you know, whenever you look at this star-studded class, with Les Miles, Peyton Manning, Matt Dunnigan, a trailblazing coach like Roger Cador. Is this year's class one of the be- the best Louisiana sports Hall of Fame class of all time? When you just look at all those names, a lot of big, notable names. Sure, maybe some of those are a little bit more notable, largely because of the fact that we're a little bit older and, we know- and we're a little bit younger in terms of the millennial generation when you look at some of these guys like Les Miles, Peyton Manning, made were big impact players in the last like four or five years. You know, Peyton Manning hung it up after the Super Bowl in 2015. You can tell right now that this is just amazing what we're seeing right now with this Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class. A lot of great big names from all walks of life. It's definitely one of the most diverse but is it one of the best of all time? Is it the best Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class of all time? Because I think there's some really good ones from 2015, 2014, a lot of really good classes in recent years. But this one just feels something else, mind you, largely because of the fact that they sold that place out. Now, that definitely says a lot to the drawing power that is Peyton Manning and also Les Miles. Definitely going to be a fun, fun Thing going on. I can only imagine what kind of lessons are going to be popping out. How much fun is going to be hearing him talk about the good old days, being in Kansas, and a whole lot more. He's even going to be in a movie. He's actually going to be in a movie, and I, I want to see that, honestly. But I think it's only going to be in select theater. So, probably here in Lafayette, Louisiana, please, someone try and get that thing going because I would love to see that. But, of course, you know, I'm giving you my full thoughts much later in the show about this Hall of Fame class. And if it's the best, 
And trust me, you're going to want to listen in. That's going to be at the end of the show when I kind of have just enough left in the tank to have one final take-in on today's show. But, of course, it's not just going to be me talking for two full hours. I like to have guests, and I'm going to keep that tradition alive. And i got to say, this is just awesome. we got a stacked guest list, three guests, one in the 10 o'clock hour. And it is Blaine Henry, our MMA guy. We're going to talk UFC 238. Also, we'll talk a little bit of boxing as well because that wound up being a big talking point over the last seven days. You had Andy Ruiz get the knockout win, and that definitely wound up not necessarily drawing a whole lot of eyes to the sport. Wound up kind of having everybody laugh at it because you have this big old dude looking like King Hippo out there just dominating an opponent. I absolutely enjoyed watching, seeing what's going on with the sport, and now maybe we can see Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz in a rematch probably in the next couple of weeks. So something just just to keep an eye on. That's going to be at 10.30, 11.15. Allison Posey, the sports director for ABC 27 in Tallahassee, Florida. We're going to get a little LSU Florida State preview with her. We're going to talk with her about that and a whole lot more. And trust me, that's going to be a really fun interview. I'm looking forward to it. But you know what I'm also looking forward to at 11.30? I'm talking about Les Miles. Well, I'm going get in touch with somebody. That is Smacker Miles, 11.30. We'll talk to her about her father getting inducted to the Louisiana Sports Hall, what life's like now that he's in Kansas coaching the Jayhawks, Rick Ross, all that and a whole lot more. Trust me, this is going to be an interview that, mind you, it's not as much about the, about the sports, it's about the entertainment. And trust me, this show is going to be 110% entertainment here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com because Under the Dome definitely brings the hot heat. And trust me, it's going to be a really good show, so just keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game and listen to Under the Dome with yours truly, the famous CD, not just talking, but also on the ones and twos, the threes and the fours. Call us up, 337-706-0111. Coming up next, I'm going to kind of cross it over and talk about some NBA basketball. NBA Finals, one win away for the Toronto Raptors from winning the NBA Finals, hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy. They can be doing that come Monday. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more Under the Dome coming up next. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. The clock ticks down the final few seconds as the Toronto Raptors have won game four of the NBA Finals. They lead the Warriors three games to one and the Toronto Raptors head home north of the border for Game 5 on Monday, 105-92. Just hold on. They are coming home when it comes to Toronto Raptors. One game away from advancing. and Advancing, what what am I saying? Hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy when it's all said and done. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, presented by Lafayette Roofing. And trust me, 
This is going to be fun to kind of talk about NBA Finals Game 4, 337-706-0111, the Arco Equipment Hotline. It is open for just a little bit. And, of course, we got to talk about Game 4. What happened to the Golden State Warriors? I was, I was prepping the show last night. I look up from my laptop late in the third quarter, and suddenly they're down by double digits. I was saying on Thursday's show, Bumper to Bumper Sports, the fact that I felt like, you know, the Toronto Raptors weren't going to win this because the Golden State Warriors were going to do Golden State Warrior things, especially with Clay Thompson being back. But, of course, it did not happen. Kawhi Leonard was in beast mode in the third quarter, putting up 17 of his 36 points in that quarter alone. Boardman is definitely getting paid right about now. It is amazing to see what he's been able to do. Unless somehow Kevin Durant makes a miraculous recovery before Game 5 at Jurassic Park, the chances of the Warriors hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy are just about extinct. And, you know, Steph Curry, he talked a little bit about what it's like being down 3-1, like what it was a few years ago where they were up 3-1 and then blew that lead. That was just a few years ago. You got to do it one game at a time. It sounds cliche, and, and for us... That's literally the only way we're going to get you know back in the series is give everything we got for 48 minutes. Everybody that steps foot on that floor in Game Five in our locker room, we were talking about believing. You know, everybody out there, you know, believe that we can get this done. And we got, like I said, we can draw on those experiences that we had, you know, back in the day and and uh, see what happens. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens later on Monday night when these two teams square off. This Raptors, team, this Raptors team is on another level right now. And after the game, Kawhi Leonard talked about being one game away from winning the title. This will be the second title in his very young career. He won it with the Spurs a while back and was really kind of a key cog, a breakout star in that. I talked about it last week about how Pascal Siakam has kind of become one of those names that breaks out in the NBA Finals, a la what we saw with Kawhi Leonard. But he talked about being one game away from winning the title. Um, you just got to be patient with it, you know. Uh, not really. Um, you know, we were two games away, four games away. It doesn't matter until you get um, that fourth win. Uh, and, you know, we just have to stay confident in ourselves, be patient, don't try to rush things, and see how it plays out. Definitely going to be something to kind of see tomorrow whenever, you, whenever Toronto, Canada, could wind up taking over the NBA, and hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy in Canada. And just, just think about that statement for a second. Canada holding the NBA title. I, I, I'm i almost certain that's never happened before. So this is going to be really cool. And Kawhi Leonard also talked about that. They were going crazy after the Eastern Conference Finals. And I don't know. There's no telling. Um, you got to ask probably, like, like I said, a fan or somebody that's in Canada. I've been living in Canada for a while. But, I mean, I know they're going to be super excited. Um, I don't know. Uh, We'll see. And I think everybody over there is excited. Our neighbors to the north are enjoying what's going on with the NBA Finals because, one, they're actually a part of it, and, two, they feel like they have a legitimate shot to get in there. Looking forward to it, and I'm sure you are as well. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you want to talk about the Golden State Warriors, it seems like a downfall is happening right now. And my goodness, I f- again, I thought the Warriors would win with Clay Thompson back. The other half of the Splash Brothers. I talked about how important 
Clay Thompson and Steph Curry both were in this in this series and at any point in this Warriors franchise's recent success is without a doubt Steph Curry and Clay Thompson leading the way. And it's safe to say that they need someone else to step up because honestly, you can't have Steph Curry win the ball game every single time because it reminds me a lot of whenever you saw Drew Brees just a few years ago. He had to do his job. He had to want to put an atlas on his back and put the team on his back, Greg Jennings style. And you saw that doesn't necessarily work. You can't put all the pressure on one person to do the job unlike anybody else. And a guy like Steph Curry, he's one hell of a player. He's amazing. But the bottom line is this. He can't be the only person to handle the rock and get things done. He cannot be the one man the one man band. He can't do that without a lot without a lot of help. And that has just always been my big thing when you look at the NBA. And my targets are just kind of locked in on it. Draymond Green. Six shots from the field, dude. Are you kidding me? That's not gonna cut it, my guy. Only you had ten points. I'll give you that much, but you still only shot six shots from the field. You were over one from three. Overall, three of six on the night from the field. It's definitely not what you're expecting from a guy who's on the starting five and wasn't hurt. I think Clay Thompson did pretty damn good, and he talks about that as well after the game about how the injury didn't affect him. It didn't affect me, and like I said before. It's the finals. It's a long season. You play 100-plus games, you're going to be banged up. But you just got to dig deep. I mean, no one's going to feel sorry for you. Yeah. So you just got to go out there, man up, and play the best of your ability. It's going to be wild to see what happens in the next like couple of days to see if Kevin Durant can make the recovery and come back for Game 5. Because if he comes back, I thought you know they didn't need him. Honestly, now I'm like, put out the bat signal, have him ready to go, do whatever you can to get him ready. Is I think you have him out there, you have every chance of winning a ball game that you would absolutely love to have and take home just before kind of you start seeing things trickle down. You've seen, obviously, Kevin Durant. They'll probably go to the Eastern Conference for some team, and we'll figure out what happens with the rest of them. Going to take a quick commercial break. Going to go back into my corner. He is coming up next. We're going to go about five rounds, maybe a little bit more, with our guy Blaine Henry, a little UFC 238 preview. Anthony Joshua getting KO'd by Andy Ruiz. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. So keep it locked right here on Under the Dome with CD right here on Akini and a sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You're Manchester United, sports. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right up here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And it's time to kind of talk about some UFC 238 coming up tonight on pay per view. And it is going to be one heck of a card. Three solid 
fights that could probably want to be in a main event on any other UFC card, but all together as part of a huge card, UFC 238. Cowboy Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, going to be an obvious big highlight. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with our next guest. So let's go out to the Artco Equipment Hotline. Talk with a guy, Blaine Henry of Cage Side Press and also the Fight Library Podcast. What's going on, man? What's going on, my man? Well, look, first things first, last episode you asked me about um, heavyweight, and my fiance gave me so much trouble because I made a mistake of the words, and she said, uh, I said 165, and upon listening to it, heavyweight is not 165, <laughs> it's 265 pounds. So there, Shannon, I fixed it. There you go, 265 versus 165. My goodness, if 165 was heavyweight, I can, about, I can only imagine – what would happen if you had like a big if you had like a guy like Butterbean? Would he be in that in that kind of heavyweight class, or would they have to make another heavyweight class on top of that? Oh, yeah, it'd be super hyper giant heavyweight. It'd be great. It would be amazing. And of course, we'll get to some boxing in just a little bit, especially about the the big heavyweight fight that happened last weekend. But we, I think we got to talk about more on local perspective. Dustin Poirier. It was announced earlier this week. He's going to be in the main event of UFC 242 alongside Khabib Nurmagomedov, and that's going to be pretty huge coming up in September. Early thoughts on the matchup in Abu Dhabi. Man, it's going to be a great fight. First of all, Dustin won the interim belt against Max Holloway, who's yep. one of the best pound-for-pound fighters and the featherweight champ, um, while Khabib was uh, suspended for his UFC 229 antics. Um, that being said, Dustin has a, a tough task against uh, against him. Khabib is undefeated. Uh, he, he's a monster wrestler and everything. But one thing everybody doesn't know about Dustin Poirier is he's a black belt on Tim Crater who is a Henzo Gracie black belt student. So uh, Dustin has great ground game. But I think the key for Dustin to winning this fight is going to be him um, controlling the octagon space. If you watch Khabib and his, in his fights, he tends to take stupid shots um from outside of the cage when his, he, he doesn't have his opponent backed up against the wall. That's his whole, that's his whole game. He, he backs up his, his, his opponent and he outmuscles them against the cage. Whereas if he's not a, he doesn't have you against the cage, he will, uh, he will tend to take some weird shots that don't kind of make sense. So octagon control, um, and, and getting respect from Khabib. Talking now with Blaine Henry of the Fight Library podcast. And my goodness, we had to talk about that. The big UFC 242 pay per view with Poirier Khabib being the main event. Of course, we got to kind of jump over to what's going on tonight. UFC 238, and I say this card definitely looks on paper to be a step up from last month. Again, comparing those two cards, a little bit different story. Compared to what we actually saw at 247, 238, 237, excuse me. But 238 looks to be a really good one with Tony Ferguson and Cowboy Cerrone, the all-time leader in wins in the UFC. You know, does this set up the next fight for the winner of Khabib Poirier possibly being a fight in 2020? Well, Tony Ferguson hasn't lost a fight in forever. I mean, the last time he lost a fight was in 2012. He was the interim UFC uh, lightweight champ for a while while Conor McGregor and Khabib were trying to figure out what was going on there. And Cowboy Cerrone is my all-time favorite fighter. I mean, the dude has the best striking I've ever seen. I will, I'm, I'm biased, though. I'll be honest with you. I'm completely biased. I think this fight, the winner gets the winner of Dustin and Khabib unless Dustin wins. So basically, if Khabib runs through Dustin, he'll get the winner of Cowboy and Tony. 
If Dustin wins, Khabib gets the immediate rematch. Oh, wow. That'd, that'd be interesting to kind of see a rematch down the line. But, again, you know, we talk about the Khabib-Poirier fight in Abu Dhabi. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. And, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just strange in general to see it be announced for Abu Dhabi. Were you surprised at that? Um, You know, with, with Khabib being from Dagestan, Russia, uh, and they're wanting that market, you see the UFC getting a lot of new Russian talent. I mean, you got Petr Yan, who's fighting on this card tonight as well. Um, you've got Grigor Popov, who's fighting on the card. They've got a bunch of, of guys from Russia, and they're wanting to tap into that market for um, for the Russian Middle East market because there's a lot of lot of fans there that like fights. So bringing a fight to Abu Dhabi, the richest city in the world, makes complete sense to me. And I was like, why haven't they done this sooner? They've done it, I think, last time was 2012-ish, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been a few years since they've been to Abu Dhabi. Talking right now with Blaine Henry of the Fight Library podcast, also Cage Side Press. And, you know, with the main event, I think we got to talk about as well, Henry Cejudo, Marlon Moraes. That's going to be one hell of a fight, these two going at it. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic fight. If you didn't know, Henry Cejudo has a gold medal in Olympic wrestling. The dude's a monster wrestler. He beat Demetrius Johnson, the best fighter the UFC had at the time. Um, and he beat TJ Dillashaw, uh, thwarting TJ Dillashaw's attempt to get his second belt. Now Henry is going up and fighting for his second belt against Marlon Moraes for the vacant Bantamweight title. Marlon Moraes, though, is a monster. He has a win over Aljamain Sterling, who was fighting on this card, who I interviewed earlier on my website. Um, Marlon Moraes is just a knockout monster. He's a former World Series of Fighting champion, and, I mean, this dude is fireworks. But Henry is fireworks, too, so it's going to be a great fight. Very, very interesting fight. Um, I, personally, I'm taking Marlon to win. The dude, he's just got too much dynamite in his hands. I'm looking forward to that one as well. It's going to be the big main event tonight, UFC 238. But, of course, I think we got to talk about the women's flyweight match as the co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I. Both these two, definitely a lot of big names in women's fighting in UFC. What can you say about this matchup? Is this one going to live up to the hype? Well, you know, Valentina is one of the best women's fighter, uh, especially in this new division in flyweight. And Jessica I is good. She's on a three-fight win streak. But I can't see her getting past uh, Valentina. See, Valentina just came over a win over Joanna Janjacek. Um, uh, what was that? UFC 231. On, yeah, it was the same one that uh, Max Holloway beat Brian Ortega. Um, so I, I think she gets past Jessica I here. She's a fantastic, phenomenal striker. She's very technical, very crisp. Um, so she's real fun to watch, and she throws some cool spin and stuff, too. Jessica I is tough, though. Um, she is a tough opponent, and it's going to be good to see Valentina get um, a test against a proper 125-er because Joanna was the 115 champ, and she was going up, whereas Valentina came down from 135. So this is, this is more of a proper fight for Valentina for her title defense. It's all right now with Blaine Henry, host of the Fight Library podcast and also Cage Side Press. And we got to talk about just the card in general. What other matches matchups are you most looking forward to on this card? Be it undercard, be it the prelim show on Fight Pass. What is, what's the thing you're most looking forward to tonight? Man, I'm I'm most looking forward to Tony Ferguson and Cowboy Cerrone. But I, everybody's talking about that. There's two other fights. I want three other fights. I want to I want to bring up Jimmy Rivera and Petr Yan. These guys are bantamweight. Freaks. Petr Yan is one of the most explosive athletes I've ever seen in the UFC, period. 
He's just one of the most fun fighters to watch. And Jimmy Rivera is a great bantamweight fighter. Winner of this is very close to getting a bantamweight title shot. Another fight on there is Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Anaseroff. Um, Tatiana is basically the women's version of Khabib. So you'll want to watch that. And also fighting on this card, Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munhoz. I interviewed Aljamain on my website, fight-library.com, and we were talking about it. And he believes if he wins this fight, he is next in line to fight the winner of the main event against Cejudo and Marais for the title. And I agree with him. AJ is a beast. Pedro is a beast. So uh, that's the fight I think I'm most looking forward to, aside from Cowboy and Tony. I'm looking forward to Cowboy the Cowboy fight, but of course, I think one thing I'm looking forward to has to be one of the fights on there tied to Ivasa, largely because I want to see if he drinks beer from a shoe again if he wins this fight tonight. Man, Ty is a he's Australian. I, I need to say no more. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is 10 and 1. He has one loss against Junior Dos Santos, who I think is the greatest heavyweight of all time. And he's fighting an indestructible Bogor Ivanov. Ivanov was stabbed in the chest a few years ago by a mugger. And he didn't die. The man is an unstoppable object. And Tai Tuovasa is just a banger of a fighter. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens there. And if Ty wins, I totally expect him to do a shooey after that going back into backstage. That would be the greatest thing ever. Just him, just keep doing that. It's a tradition every single fight afterwards with a win. Just do a shooey. That'd be the, that, that was what a big poll question we had a while back after he did it. In his last fight, would you ever drink beer out of a shoe? Well, um, if you if you look back a couple months ago, he was in the crowd with Donald Cerrone, and Donald did a shoey before Ty. <laughs> so I think everybody on the planet wants to do a shoey with Ty Tuovasa. I don't care if it's out of a shoe or not. That's awesome. All right, all right one more here before I let you go, my man, is we got we got to talk a little boxing as well with Anthony Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, and Andy Ruiz Jr. getting. He was squaring up last weekend, and you saw Andy Ruiz, who had a lot of people, even I compared him to King Hippo from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. <laughs> this guy just completely destroyed Anthony Joshua, triggering a rematch, apparently. Man, this one's going to put the Deontay Wilder potential fight on hold for a while. Man, the, the mysticism is gone with Anthony Joshua. The seal's been broken. He has his first loss, so it's not going to bring as much pay-per-view money that they want. The thing is, I tuned in to that fight. I was running late. I tuned in around the third, at the end of the third round, and I was watching. I'm like, why is Anthony Joshua tired at the third round? And they were showing the replays. I'm like, holy crap. So Joshua got – he knocked down Ruiz first, and then Ruiz comes back with two knockdowns. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Joshua might lose his fight. And sure enough, Ruiz comes out there – and, and dominates Anthony Joshua. What's crazy is Andy Ruiz has over a hundred amateur fights on his record. And that goes to show you the difference in experience. Whereas Joshua started boxing really late at 18. He had ended up winning a gold medal in the Olympics, but the experience from Andy Ruiz is what really won him that fight. And I'm happy that we have our first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. And that's awesome. I just can't wait to see what happens with him down the line. And my goodness, you know, before I said one more question, I decided to kind of add one more because we're starting to see things kind of take light when it comes to the World Boxing Super Series, especially with New Orleans native Regis Progre. He knows his opponent now. Where do you think this fight winds up taking place? They're pushing for L.A. Um, as far as I've seen. Uh, you know, Josh Taylor and Regis, that's the fight everybody wanted to see at the start of this tournament, and we're getting it. Um, Los Angeles makes sense. Regis lives out there. 
Um, LA's market is giant. World Boxing Super Series is actually absolutely killing it right now. There's even rumblings of a heavyweight tournament coming up, Ooh. which would be splendid. If only we could get guys like Deontay Wilder to be involved in this. That would be just phenomenal. Make this thing the biggest deal possible. But, Blaine, I can't thank you enough for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hey, Clint, I appreciate it, man, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right, Blaine. That was Blaine Henry. You can follow him on Twitter at Blaine Henry MMA on Twitter. If you love the fight game, this is a person you need to follow. You want to follow me as well over on the Twitter machine. I think we knocked out that segment. It's over. We're done. But we're going to move on, and we're going to go ahead and start looking around the world of baseball in just a little bit with rounding the bases. Of course, you're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. It's Under the Dome with CD. And trust me, we got a lot more on tap for you today. The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. Fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hour number one and nearing the tail end. I'm going to try to get to as much as I can about the College World Series here. Round of the bases is probably going to wind up taking up two segments once again, and I'm absolutely okay with that. Because trust me, there's a lot of things to talk about involving the world of baseball as we get started with the month of June. And trust me, a lot of great storylines popped up last night. Of course, we got to talk about LSU Florida State just a little bit more. Is I was surprised again. Cole Henry, Landon Morso, Eric Walker—that's going to be the rotation for LSU this weekend. I'm kind of surprised how they wound up doing it. I thought maybe he would have kept it the same, but still, putting the pretty much fate of the game in freshmen's hands for a guy like Paul Maneri—that's a big surprise for me. And I love these guys. These guys want to be really, really good as the season progresses, especially late in the season. Cole Henry looked. Damn near untouchable. So hopefully he can be that same guy. Up against Florida State team that is hitting the ball at the right time. Again, they're averaging about 7.2 runs per game in the last, let's say, 18, 19 games. In the last, like, month. Since we're going back to May the 3rd, the first game of the series against Ole Miss. From that point, May 3rd, yeah, May 3rd. May 3rd, from that point on, that's the gap we're going to take here in terms of what happened in that series, what happened in those series, what kind of points were put up, and we're comparing the two. And I'm intrigued by that, but I'm also intrigued by what's going to happen with Josh Smith. Can he continue to be an animal in the postseason? He's batted 400 since the SEC tournament, two home runs and seven RBIs. It's not anything to really scoff at at this point in time. If you're the Seminoles pitching staff, and he'll be absolutely positively Crucial for this team once again. I think Antoine Duplantis is another guy that needs to kind of have a big performance. I think that's going to wind up being something you look at. And I say that the 
LSU Tigers can have Josh Smith and Antoine Duplantis do what they did, especially on Sunday, I got to say they have a chance to do do some real damage. I think Daniel Cabrera needs to step up. Saul Garza just needs to do Saul Garza things. And I'm just saying, they can wind up punching their ticket to Omaha in two games if they can have those things all work out. And Cole Henry and Landon Marso are beasting and feasting and can eat up, let's say, five or six innings. I don't trust a team that can have a starter only go like four or five innings and you put the game in the hands of the bullpen and you don't necessarily have a bridge guy. You don't have a guy that can wind up probably taking you two, three innings and eat up some outs and get and get everything else rolling and keep that bullpen together because it feels like it's been kind of a mass unit the last couple of months whenever you look at LSU's pitching staff and also its bullpen. And I just don't think you, we wind up seeing Zach Caspi in a long-form type of game as a as a bridge guy or even a long close, let's say like a nine-out close, as opposed to, like let's say, a four- or five-out close. I think that might be the limit for Paul Maneri, largely because that we've seen that Maneri that has, hasn't necessarily been the best. But, of course, there's other Super Regionals that have already started. Last night wound up being pretty interesting when you look all the way around it. Starting off in the Louisville Super Regional, Louisville offense, they exploded on Friday night with a 14-1 win over East Carolina. That seems hashtag as expected. They held down home court, or home field, I should say. And then you've got, in the Lubbock Super Regional, it's Big 12 action with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Texas Tech, it was a high-scoring ball game, and this one 8-6 over Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, they are one win away from their season coming to an end. Meanwhile, the other two Super Regionals, not quite as much chalk. In the National Regional, Duke wound up looking a lot more than a basketball team with a dominant performance last night. Levi saw 18-5. The Blue Devils take down the Commodores, the number two team in the country, or the number two team in this bracket as well. They're in danger. And then UCLA, they rallied late in the ballgame last night, but were down but they lost three to two to the Michigan Wolverines, number one overall seed in great danger heading into Saturday. And trust me, it's definitely going to be something you need to look at look at over the next couple of days. Because trust me, I am just genuinely interested to see what happens there a lot more than some of the other Super Regionals. Because you can about imagine if you have the number one and number two seed, yep, the Applecart gets upset even more. I'm always setting up sort of. For some really good stuff, of course, later on today, we're going to have some really good ball games. Ole Miss, Arkansas, all-SEC matchup. That's going to be fun. Florida State, LSU, of course. And then you've got Stanford, Mississippi State. Can Stanford pull off the upset against the Bulldogs in Stark Vegas inside the new dude? I don't necessarily think so because the dude, especially in its current form, may not be its final form, but its current form, I just can't see that right now. Is the Bulldogs have been on a roll as of late, and it just feels like it's a very tough place to play in the new Duty Noble field. And then you got the Chapel Hill Regional starting up later today as well. Auburn, North Carolina. That one's going to start in in just a little bit, actually. Once I take this commercial break, it should be starting soon. I definitely wind up, wind up recommending you check that out when you get a chance with the Auburn Tigers and the North Carolina Tar Heels, again, a lot of surprises in the regionals. Obviously, I think the big one is Georgia getting upset. But now we're seeing a lot more interesting storylines. Duke, are you kidding me? 
Duke one win away from eliminating Vanderbilt. Michigan one win away from eliminating a UCLA team that felt almost untouchable. Last week we saw the defending national champs get 0-2 barbecue. This has been one heck of a week, heck of the last couple weeks for the underdog. And, of course, you got the Toronto Raptors, one win away from winning the Larry Bryant Trophy. So if you're a fan of the underdog, congratulations. Your time may be right now. They talk about the meek inheriting the earth. I think it's safe to say the meek are inheriting the earth right about now. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got a whole lot more in store for you today. Of course, Allison Posey. Talking Florida State Seminoles and LSU Tigers at 11.15, 11.30. Smacker Miles talking about her dad getting inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame and a whole lot more. Don't you dare miss it. Hour number two coming up next on 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. This should be played at high volume. Preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Hour number two of two underway right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming up in this hour, Allison Posey talking Florida State LSU. She's the sports director for ABC 27 in Tallahassee, Florida. So trust me, she knows a lot about those Seminoles. Can't wait to talk to her about that and a whole lot more. And of course, at 11.30, Smacker Miles will kind of talk about her dad getting inducted to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame and a whole lot more. Speaking of that Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, is this year's class the best Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class of all time? Is our big Twitter question, Twitter poll question right now. You can follow us on Twitter at 1037thegame. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Clint Domingue. And I have to say, you know, I'm surprised at the votes right now. 60-40 going yes. I'll give you my full thoughts at the end of the show, so just keep listening in. If you haven't already, trust me, listen in when you get a chance and call in is I've only got about one segment left because I usually try to reserve that last segment solely for me. And trust me, I want to get your thoughts on a lot of things, including the NBA Finals, what's going on with LSU, Florida State, give me your predictions, and a whole lot more because I don't mind letting you call in. We'll chat up about some good stuff. And trust me, we got a lot of things to talk about. But as we ended the first hour, I want to go a little long in that interview, but you know what? I'm okay with it. We're going to start things off. Obviously, I think we got to talk a little bit about the Houston Astros and look around the MLB. Garrett Cole, baby, getting 14 strikeouts after allowing three runs. 14 strikeouts on the night. The Astros rallied back. Roberts Trinos, as you heard in the two-minute drill, walked it off in the 11th. But Trinos has been pretty damn good to start the month of June. How good? Let me throw these numbers your way. The batting average is not exactly great because you've only got like a couple hits here and there, a couple hits a game, 
some games. He's gotten one. But here's the thing. He's gotten a hit in every game in the month of June, and it's counted. Four home runs, seven RBIs, and, of course, that walk-off double. His birthday was earlier this week, just about three days ago, in fact. This dude's 35 years old. He's having a career resurgence with the Houston Astros. Robinson Chirinos, happy birthday to you. I am just absolutely loving it. 35 years old and doing big things. Four home runs, seven RBIs. That's just pretty damn good. And of course, CNL Perez had a solid outing his first game with the organization in 2019. He wound up playing for him a little bit in 2018, I believe, due to some injuries that were affecting the bullpen. Perez called up yet again. He had been struggling in Round Rock. That was definitely something that a lot of people were scratching their heads about heading into this. Like, why are you calling this guy out? The dude has has sucked in AAA with the Round Rock Express. But here's the thing. 6.44 ERA. He threw three shutout innings last night. So not necessarily apples to apples here. The dude just looked really, really good. Now, mind you, it is against one of the trashest, like, teams in the MLB and the Baltimore Orioles. You should be able to win that one handily, but after kind of going through all the jet lag and whatnot from a last game of a four-game series against the Seattle Mariners going 14 innings, and you're probably not getting home until probably, I, I would hypothetically say, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night the, the day before, and you're coming from the West Coast all the way down to Houston, Texas. You're going to wind up probably having a lot of jet lag, and you're going to be exhausted. I'm sure that's what a lot of those guys were. I believe they were 0 for 15 in terms of your 1 through 4 guys. But again, Robinson Chirinos stepping up once again during his birthday week. Hopefully he can keep it up throughout the month of June because he's definitely been a bright spot for the Astros alongside a guy like Michael Brantley, who I feel like has been like a Mr. Consistency for the Houston Astros when they don't quite have like all the consistency in the world as opposed to what we've seen in the past. But, of course, that's not the only thing going on in the world of sports in terms of baseball. Major League Baseball had a lot of really cool stuff happen last night. Like, for instance, Cleveland. They got a 5-2 to two win over the Yankees last night thanks to this two-run bomb from Carlos Santana. The pitch. A swing and a drive to deep right center. Away, back, and gone. And the Indians have a 4-2 to two lead. Carlos Santana unleashes his 12th home run of the year. That one was absolutely huge. The Cleveland Indians getting the win, 5-2. to two. Of course, other matchups going on. The Cubbies make it six straight with a 3-1 to one victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. And speaking of the Cubbies, they want to make it some big moves. And Craig Kimbrell. He got signed earlier this week, but he spoke to the media yesterday as he was making it, being introduced by the organization, talked about why he signed with the team now as opposed to, let's say, during the offseason that we have, he'd have time to kind of get acclimated with the with the program. I, mean, I think there's there's a lot of reasonings, I guess. Um, I don't think I don't think sitting here talking about you know me signing and becoming a Cub today uh, is. I don't want to dig too deep into that. I think there, there's a lot of a lot of aspects on both sides, and there, there's a time and a place to, to talk about those and discuss those. And I don't, I don't think today is that. It's going to be interesting to see what what, what Craig Kimbrell winds up doing. Also, going to be interesting to see what Dallas Keuchel winds up doing with the Atlanta Braves. He's going to be somebody that again, you know, it's weird to see guys get signed in June as opposed to the during the off season. You know, there's something wrong with that. 
And yes, I can say, you know, when you look at Craig Kimbrell and also you look at Dallas Keuchel and how he's been very much like on one year, Cy Young worthy on that list one year, 2015 prime example, 2017 he was still pretty damn good. But 2016 and 2018 was very much his miss years. Now, 2016, he wound up having an injury that affected him a lot. But, you know, still, overall, Dallas Keuchel's career has been oh, wait, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And there's very much, you can tell where the peaks and valleys are. It's not like, oh, hey, you know, he's having a, like, the year before he's 15-1, and one, like a 2.25 ERA. Pretty damn, really damn good. Really almost Cy Young worthy. But then he... Drops down, let's say, like ten and five with a three point oh oh ERA. It's still good. It's still not like the. It's still great. But then he has his years where it's like, oh, hey, he has Cy Young worthy. He gets like twenty wins, but he winds up petering out the next year. He doesn't have that consistency like we've seen with a Justin Verlander or even a Garrett Cole, who yes, he did not get the win last night, but fourteen strikeouts. Still pretty damn good. Going to be interesting to see what those two guys do and how that winds up changing the way MLB free agency works going forward because I think these guys should have gotten a deal done during the offseason as opposed to waiting and waiting and waiting for a one-year deal in June. Come on, guys. Get it together and understand the market that you're in and understand that maybe just maybe you guys aren't going to get the money you're expecting. Maybe I'm being cynical. But anyways... Of course, that wasn't the only thing going on in the world of sports. We have also one of the first, we have a first last night, the first career home run from former 14th round draft pick for the D-backs, Kevin Cron. He helped get Arizona past Toronto in the series opener. 1-1. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. Way back towards the wall. That ball is gone. Kevin Cron's first major league home run, a three-run blast in the fourth. And the D-backs lead it five to nothing. This is amazing to kind of see a 14th round draft pick get the call up because we hear a lot about how some of these guys will get called up very quickly. It'll probably be about a year before you know, like that. My Adley Rushman, he's probably going to be next season around the All Star break getting called up to his franchise, the Baltimore Orioles, who had their first number one pick. I believe since 89, which is amazing. And by the way, that was Ben McDonald. But it's just impressive to see what what we're seeing with a lot of these guys, a lot of more lesser-known guys, big league debut, getting a home run. He's definitely been part of that roster for a good bit of the season. But I'm just looking forward to seeing what he winds up doing and seeing what some of the others, these other guys in the D-backs organization are going to wind up doing going forward because – I'll say this, you look at what they did, you look at the number of picks they had in the MLB draft, yes, there's a lot of picks, there's a lot of rounds, but at least in the first two rounds, I think Arizona had at least like seven picks. And when you look at it, like just from that perspective, your first two round guys, those are typically going to be your franchise players and your added depth whenever guys are on the DL. I think all those guys that they drafted are going to wind up being part of their rotation, they're starting nine. I am looking forward to seeing what happens with the Arizona Diamondbacks in the not-too-distant future because I feel like, you know, they they kind of screwed the pooch on the Paul Goldschmidt situation, but they have a lot of talent all the way around, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the D-backs can wind up doing 
with the right talent at the right place at the right time. It's just putting all the, all of the pieces together. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the not too distant future for obviously the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, can they do? Can they try to replicate what we've seen in the past? With Houston Astros, for instance. We talk about their farm system all the time. Jordan Alvarez is out there raking in AAA, but he's not quite getting the call up yet. And we're talking about Round Rock and their AAA affiliate. I think we got to talk about something Brian McTaggart put out on MLB.com last night before the Astros took on the O's. Jose Altuve, George Springer, and Aledmus Diaz could be headed to a rehab assignment before their eight-game homestand wraps up. Yes, it's an eight-game homestand. They've got two games against the Brewers on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then they're off Thursday. Friday, they've got a three-game set, and then they'll hit the road again a couple weeks from now. And that means you know they can wind up being back, hopefully, a couple weeks before the All-Star break. Because I'm thinking, hypothetically, if all these guys can be ready for a rehab assignment, let's say, next week. Let's say, let's say the Wednesday game against the Brewers, and they have a couple games. They can be back. But when they hit the road, next go round. I think that would wind up being huge to have these guys back. But I think we're starting to see that the Houston Astros have a lot of talent all the way around, and they've got a lot of really good things going for them. Because we're seeing Jack Mayfield, Miles Straw looking pretty good. We're seeing Stubbs. He's not looking half bad either. His brother just got drafted with the franchise. And that's weird. It's always strange to see how, like, kind of the, the draft works with, with these guys because they wind up getting, like, the brothers of – like players and Stubbs, CJ Stubbs is another example out of my USC being a, it's a family affair in Houston. And honestly, it's worked out quite well. I have to say just to see that farm system continue to develop. I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. Also, Colin McHugh had a light bullpen on Wednesday and he could also be nearing that point as well for a rehab assignment, probably a couple games, get himself ready, get himself reacclimated. Cause he'd been out for a hot minute. So hopefully they can get him back in line as well gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break we'll come back with even more we got allison posey she'll be joining the show in just a few minutes sports director for abc 27 in tallahassee florida we'll talk to her about what this team looks like heading into a big three best of three series against the lsu tigers you're listening to acadiana sports station 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com and Under the Dome with CD comes back next. The producers on 1037 The Game on a Louisiana Saturday morning. Now back to the other side of the glass. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com, live from the 237 Roof Studios, as always. But let's hurry up and get out to the Arco Equipment Hotline to talk with Allison Posey, Sports Director for ABC 27 in Tallahassee. What's going on? How's it going? Going good. It is going great. A big game coming up. Best of three Super Regional Series against LSU and Florida State inside Alec Box Stadium. You can't be more excited than that when it comes to it. But, you know, looking at Florida State, the Seminoles, what's been the biggest key for them kind of turning the switch? And it seems like right now they're 
playing in a win one for the Gipper mentality, trying to get this get Mike Martin back to the promised land one more time to get the scene to Omaha and try and win a national title. I mean, the key to the game is just continuing how they played in regionals. I mean, I think if you would have asked anybody if we would have saw what we saw out of Florida State uh, during that, those three games at regionals, you know, beating Georgia twice, uh, scoring 35 runs on 45 hits in, in three games, I think somebody would have told you that, that you were crazy. Uh, Florida State hadn't played that well all game. Pitching was lights out over the weekend. That's not something we've seen from the three starters all year long. So Florida State wants to do well this weekend. They just got to pick up right where they left off last weekend. I'd have to agree with you. Again, you know, we're talking about the fact it's, it seems like right now they're playing in a win-one for the Gipper mentality. Are you seeing mm-hmm. that as well? They're, they're trying to win one for Mike Martin and try to get him to that promised land and try and give him his first national title on the way out? Uh, 100%. You know, and, and Mike's as humble as they come. And 11's not going to tell you, oh, you know, you know I've got to get back to Omaha my final year. For him, he said it all year. It's about the kids. It's about this team. But you've got you have to know. Uh, definitely playing for that. You know, they have a lot to play for. Florida State has not had a season where they haven't won 40 games since 1977. They're at Get that keep that streak going of 40 wins every year. So they have that to play for. They have an 11 to play for. One to send him out on the right note. And I think they have a lot to prove, too. Again, this team had a lot of high hopes coming in. They were young, uh, but they were ranked in the top 10 in the preseason. A lot of hope coming in. And it, it wasn't a good season by any means. But like I said, they've really turned it on as of last weekend. And I think they want to prove to everybody that. You know, yeah, we were one of the last four teams into this tournament, but we're pretty darn good. And if they keep playing like they did last weekend, I think they're going to show that once again. Talk right now with Allison Posey, sports director for ABC 27 in Tallahassee. And, you know, I think you brought up the pitching staff. I think that's a perfect jumping-off point as well. Looking at Drew Parrish, he's going to be getting the start for the Seminoles this afternoon, mm-hmm. 8-5, 5.07 ERA. What kind of what kind of pitcher is he? Can, can he be a guy that winds up try, like striking out guys like Josh Smith, who has been on absolute tears of late? He can, you know. And Drew had a really really good sophomore season, so coming into his junior year, there were a lot of really again high expectations for Drew. He hasn't done as well as he did in his sophomore year, but he's had moments where okay, this is the guy that we saw last season. He pitched lights out last weekend. So if he's on and he can go the distance, that's been something that Florida State has struggled with their starters, Drew included, all year long, is not getting the innings that they need out of him. They've had to pull them second, third, fourth innings. They need them to go a good seven innings, and that's what they all did last weekend. And that really, along with the hitting, I mean, that really was the difference maker. So if Drew is on and Drew is hot and he's finding his spots and his pitches are working right, He's a good pitcher. He's a deadly pitcher. And, again, we saw that last weekend. We haven't seen that a lot from him this year, but it did come out last weekend. Every Florida State fan is hoping that we can see that Drew Parrish again today. I think they're looking forward to seeing what he can wind up doing tonight. Of course, I think we also got to talk about C.J. Van Eyck. Both these pitchers, mm-hmm. starting games one and two, both played for Paul Maneri as part of the U.S. national team last season. But i got I got to wonder, C.J. Van Eyck, what kind of pitcher is – what kind of – what, what, do we, what can we expect from him in game number two? The same thing as Drew. You're going to see a guy that, that throws hard but hits his spots well, too. Um, 
he's, the people are going to put the ball in play before state limits the home runs. And, uh, you know, I think that you're going to see that from Connor Grady um, on day three if we do get to day three, too. Again, all three of them, the biggest issue with them all year has been being able to not be able to go the distance. And if they can settle in, get, get a lot of innings out of them, and bring in the closings to shut it down, um, you know, good things can happen for Florida State. Talk right now with Allison Posey, sports director for ABC 27 in Tallahassee, Florida. And I think one of the things we need to talk about is the offensive side of the ball for the Knowles. One of the big mm-hmm. leaders for that team has to be Mike Salvatore, hitting 341 with 22 doubles, four triple seven homers. But what can you say about the rest of this team? Because it felt like the offense really turned it on last weekend, especially against Georgia, who has like phenomenal pitchers all oh, the way yeah. around. <laughs> guy throw a 96-97 consistently and Florida State was uh, making him look like a little league pitcher. But yeah, I mean uh, hitting's contagious. I mean, that's something that, that any baseball fan will tell you. One guy gets up and everything else is, just seems to follow. Like I said, 45 hits and, and three games. They banged out 20 against FAU on Friday morning in game one. Uh, again, something we had not seen from this team all year. And along with Mike, you have uh, Drew Mendoza, third baseman that's hitting really well. Um, Reese Albert had a really good weekend last year. Uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, if you follow the Florida State baseball just a little bit, you heard about Tim Becker, the former club player who walked on, had a heck of a weekend. Um, and when you have guys that want to play for each other, and that's what happened last weekend, the bats were clicking, and the guys talked about this week kind of taking a different approach. Florida State had tried to be patient at the plate all year, hadn't worked for them. You know, they, they were no hit by Stetson. Uh, towards the end of the season, and they said over the last week, right before that Georgia Regional, they really started to take an approach, an attack approach, not waiting uh, to later in the count to try to see a pitch they wanted to hit, but going out with the mentality of, I'm going to jump on a pitch early, and I'm going to let this ball fly, and that's exactly what they did at Georgia. And, you know, of course, I think we got to wind up talking a little bit about J.C. Flowers. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's going to wind up probably, he's, that, he's their typical closer, correct? Yeah, typical closer, but you didn't see him pitch until this year. JC's yeah. a unique kid. You know, he's an outfielder. Um, you know, he's swinging the bat really well now, had a good ACC tournament, hit the ball well last weekend, and he's coming in to close. Um, and that's actually what he was drafted for in the draft earlier this week. That guys want to see him, him throw the ball, and he's come in this year, and he's done a good job being a closer for Florida State. So, like I said, didn't see him take the mound, and uh, this year he's really turned it off for Florida State, and uh, we'll see him this weekend. But, like I said, you got Allison, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road because this is going to be one heck of a series. Uh, one heck of a series. Cannot wait. All right, that was Allison Posey of Tallahassee, ABC 27 sports director, the only sports, the first sports director from the state of Florida to be a female. Really cool stuff to say the very least. And I am I can't wait for this one. This is gonna be one heck of a matchup. Allison Posey, follow her on Twitter at Allison Posey fourteen for all your thoughts. Probably some live tweeting as well about the series between Florida State and LSU. Hopefully everything can go off without a hitch. Two o'clock, first pitch, one thirty pregame right here on one oh three seven the game. Also game two is gonna be here on one oh three seven the game. I believe my first pitch is gonna be at five o'clock, pregame four thirty. And then 7.30, first pitch on Monday, if necessary. If absolutely necessary, that one is going to be 7.30, first pitch, 7 o'clock pregame. And, of course, all these games are going to be right here on 103.7 The Game. Hopefully, it's only two out of three, and they can rest up and get ready 
for the College World Series. And if they're making there, we'll take you there and we'll get you all the way to the end of the road whenever LSU wraps up their season. Hopefully not for a long, long time. Going to take a quick commercial break. I'm not talking smack about Florida State. I'm definitely not talking smack about our next guest, Smacker Miles. She's joining the show next. Talk about Les Miles getting into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame right here on Acadiana Sports Station, which I feel like should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Of course, we got the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame coming up later today, the induction of a lot of great names in the history of Louisiana sports. I feel like this one's star-studded. Peyton Manning, you got Roger Cador, a trailblazing coach on the baseball diamond. A lot of great names all the way around, but of course, one that definitely resonates with a lot of fans. Of LSU football, Les Miles. Well, we couldn't get Les Miles on the show, but we got we got the next best thing. I feel like, and that is Smacker Miles. She's on the Arco Equipment Hotline. What's going on? Not much. How are you? We're excited to be in Natchitoches. I can about imagine y'all are very excited. And you know, I want to start things off. What was kind of the reaction like when Les Miles got the call to be part of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame? Just so short after his tenure with LSU wrapped up, what was it like for him to get that call? He was so excited. I was living in Baton Rouge at the time, and I got to be there right when he heard, and he knew about it, and he definitely was immediately humbled and excited to be a part of this. And honestly, I didn't know about it, so it was something that it was really exciting to hear that Dad had thought about it and that, that he was excited to be a part of it. And he didn't think it was coming as soon as it did, but he was hopeful. I can about imagine he was extremely hopeful for that to happen, considering everything he had done for LSU over the course of his tenure. Sure, the tenure didn't necessarily end it the way he wanted to, and I feel like a lot of people wanted it to. But when you look at just his legacy when it comes to LSU football, how great is it to see him finally kind of get one more honor on his way out, especially considering we'll get to we'll get to, to what he's doing now in a minute, but just considering everything that's been going on with LSU the last few years and him kind of coming back and it feels like everybody's just embracing him with open arms. Yes, I don't think we'll ever really leave Louisiana. I think we'll always be coming back and maybe even having a place here. But it is a little bit of a going-away party, and it's been really fun for us kids to kind of relive this whole experience and all the great times over 12 years because we were young when a lot of these wins were happening or during the national championship we were all pretty young. So it's been fun to get to spend a weekend just reminiscing and hearing dad's stories and sharing each of our different perspectives of a lot of them are funny little kid perspectives of like a big game or a player's interaction. 
But it's just been a great way to come back, and we had a party for him on Wednesday, and we got to see a lot of people and kind of say bye for the short term that we didn't have a chance once he got the Kansas job and we were quickly getting to Lawrence. All right, talk right now with Smacker Miles right here on 103.7 The Game. And you brought up the 2007 National Championship game. What do you remember from that ball game? What, what was it like being in New Orleans with everything going on with the national title game back in 07? What can you remember about that? Honestly, I remember thinking that it was normal. I remember that I got this cool sweatsuit that I was really excited to get that was purple. It was like a purple velvet sweatsuit, and I thought it was like an awesome thing. And I remember my mom telling us that we were going to get to go to this national championship, and she was trying to explain how big of a deal it was. But we didn't really understand because all we knew of Louisiana was just, you know, exciting games and big wins. And we didn't know any better than to think that that was going to continue happening. And to some extent, it definitely did. We were very blessed throughout pretty much his entire tenure. But at the time, I was 13 years old, and I just remember the starstruck aspect of it was more how festive New Orleans was than it was really understanding the significance of that game and how much that national championship would mean for a lifetime. I'd have to agree. That was just such a great experience just to be there in 2007. And then you kind of go back there a few years later, 2012, with the national title game, Mm -hmm. uh, the rematch of the match of the century, LSU-Alabama. And, you know, you grew up a lot more in that time frame. You understood how big of a deal it was. But seeing how everything went down in that national championship game, from your perspective, have you ever like would Les Miles have done anything different in that national title game? Just out of curiosity, uh, he he prepared for that game as much or more than any I can remember. I will honestly say the prep for that game stands out among any. Obviously, regular season you only have a week to prepare for it, so there's just fewer hours available for that bowl game it was around the clock all the time so I would say preparation wise not at all none of us ever questioned that because especially during a bowl game you're living in the hotel room so you're seeing the time he's leaving the time he's getting back what he's doing in between so no I don't think so honestly I think we were all it's one of those it ended so so painfully that year that it was hard to talk about for a while. But recently we made him a home video, which will definitely come out rel- like pretty soon. It's we're working on some rights things, but when we were reliving that year, it's, I mean, they were perfect in the regular season. And once again, you kind of look back on it after and you realize the teams that they beat and how unbelievably talented that team was. It's, it's hard to have a perfect 14, and you get to 13, and you have to count your blessings and not the times that you struggled. So, yeah, it didn't end the way we wanted to and definitely not the way we would have wanted to in front of a home crowd. And no one would tell you that more than Dad. But as far as prep and thinking that you could have done anything differently, I, I don't think that's what I would say stands out about that year, much more just the togetherness and the – inspiration of how hard they played every single game and how talented they were and all the big wins that whole year because that was the year that stood out the most as far as blowouts. I mean, we were we were beating people badly, not just getting by. So I don't know. I, I finally look back at that year with very positive memories. Talking about now with Smacker Miles here on 103.7 The Game. 
and we're talking about 2012. Might as well just fast forward to 2019 when you, we just look at LSU Alabama specifically. Mm-hmm. The kickoff time could very well be a mid-afternoon game. And from your perspective, you know, with Les Miles, especially towards the end of his tenure at LSU, you saw a lot of these games be primetime matchups. Does that help LSU a lot more to not have this be treated like it's the the fight of the century every single year? It's not going to be a primetime game. It's be more on the lines of like a 2.30 kickoff. As a competitor, I can't see any positives in that. I, I think as an athlete or as a coach, you want nothing more than to be in prime time. So I think that the Tigers can use that as extra motivation to get back to that prime time slot because I don't think that anyone, especially Tiger fans, are looking for a midday kick. So I don't think... One, I don't think it really matters for the team. They want to beat Alabama every year, and it's the matchup of the year every year in their mind. So it doesn't matter if the rest of the world thinks it's the matchup of the year. To LSU, it is the matchup of the year. And and that's a testament to how strong LSU has been over the years, and obviously we all know how good Alabama is. So I think that game will be as exciting as ever and maybe just the most exciting day game ever. I'm almost certain it will be an exciting game, regardless if it's a day or at night. Even in the wee hours of the morning, it's going to be exciting. And of course, I think that's going to wind, that could wind up changing in the next like few months, depending on how LSU and Alabama both do. But I, I got to talk to you about this because you put this out on Twitter, a picture of Peyton Manning and and your dad chatting it mm-hmm. up. What was that, like, based on what you could kind of hear and understand, what was that conversation like between a absolute legend, Hall of Famer and Peyton Manning in the, from the NFL side of things, and then talk with Les Miles. What was that conversation like, from what you could tell? Peyton is so humble. He is such an unbelievable man. And I was a fan before this, but much more so now. They talked about everything. Just They're both out. They both have been out. So I think they talked a little bit about just football and their love for it. And then I heard... Peyton told my dad that he liked his and Coach Self's commercial, and that was fun to hear about. And they're just both very humble family people. And I think when you're around someone that feels as strongly about their family and you have that in common, it becomes very easy to kind of hit it off. So I think they're both very simple, too, for how well-known they are and some of the accomplishments. It's They're just simple guys that find simple joys and definitely both believe that the people that help them get to where they are are just as important as themselves. So we really, really enjoyed meeting Peyton as a whole family, and it's definitely an honor to be here the same weekend as him. Talking now with Smacker Miles here on 103.7 The Game, and of course your dad now, he's going to be coaching for the Kansas Jayhawks. And, you know, back in November I talked about it with you, was about the fact that it, it after a couple of years away, did your dad still have that kind of like motivation to get back out there to be able to be a head coach again? And that was being coached the Kansas Jayhawks. It feels like he never missed a beat based off of what we've seen on social media. My goodness, the guy is just, he's got tons of energy. And it's great to see him kind of getting ready to be back out on the field as a head coach again. He's so happy. He just lights up for football. I've never seen someone have such a passion for something and it makes him so happy. And, He's such a positive guy, and it's awesome to see the transparency of how he coaches at practice and how he talks at home. He's not a guy that is positive at practice and then comes home and says something negative. That's just genuinely who he is, and he really believes in this team. And it makes me happy, having been a former college athlete, 
to know that these guys are getting to be coached by someone who cares about them as people and invests in their football and really believes that they can do great things together. All right, now we're, now we're going to have a little fun here for a few minutes because, of course, one of the things that we all noticed on social media when it came to the Kansas spring game was Rick Ross was out there and Les Miles was having a fantastic time with him. How cool is that to see your dad on stage with Rick Ross? Just seem like he's having the time of his life. <laughs> he's very well-rounded, so he loves to get any extra experience that he can. And I know that being on stage with Rick Ross is one that will definitely be memorable for him and one he really enjoyed. I was excited for him because Macy, my little sister, she's 15, and she had taught him some current dance moves about the week before. So as soon as he got up there, I was like, oh, man, here we go. We're about to see what he learned last week. And sure enough, we did. <laughs> That's amazing. Talking right now with Smacker Miles. Now, before like the spring game, before they won a booking Rick Ross, did he know who Rick Ross was beforehand? Because I'm just, I'm just genuinely curious right now. He really isn't that much of a music guy, in all honesty, because when he gets in the car, whether it was someone in the car or not, if we were in the car, it was time, it was his time as a dad to kind of give us a speech or pep talk or talk to us about life. And then when we aren't in the car, he does so much recruiting and recruiting calls and mm -hmm. anything work-related, essentially, that he's not that much of a music buff, but he does know songs. So he didn't know – I don't think he could have told you which songs were Rick Ross's, but he knew Rick Ross songs, if that makes sense. That's awesome. So as soon as – we played like he knew the name and he knew the music, but he didn't know, I think, them together. And then as soon as he realized that Rick Ross was also the singer of some of the songs he knew, he was really, really excited. Talking right now with Smacker Miles here on 1037 The Game. And of course, I gotta, I gotta ask you this because I think everybody has their favorite lessism. Which one's your mm -hmm. favorite lessism that you've ever heard, be it a press conference, be it, you talk about him giving y'all pep talks when y'all were just riding, riding together. What was, what's your favorite lessism? My favorite one by far, and I see it every day, is his ability to make people feel special. And not just to make them feel special, but that it's genuine. He doesn't just try to act a certain way. And he makes everyone he comes in contact with feel like what they're doing is important, whether it's a mom in a grocery store. It'll be like telling her a baby story about us and how important what she's doing is and this and that. And it's just, it's really genuine. It's never about him. Even if he's the one that's carrying the conversation, he makes it about the other person. So it also tends to be pretty funny. So there is definitely a humor aspect of the fact that I enjoy that, but I love his ability to find something in common with someone and make them feel important. All right, and you know, I got a couple more questions here. I think, of course, I got to ask you about, like I said, my personal favorite, like less is less saying, if you will. It's got to be without a doubt his Columbus Day speech. What do you? <laughs> that was positive. It just—it's crazy just to think about his whole thing about Columbus Day. As <laughs> what was the kind of thought process about that? Have you ever talked about that one? <laughs> of course, I have. He's funny. He's, that's just who he is. He, I feel like he gives us speeches about every holiday, so the fact that the media caught that one is the only reason it's really different. Yeah. Because besides that, it's kind of a tradition, whether it's a movie that we've been to as a family or a holiday or a current event in society, he feels the need to dissect it. And he feels the need to dissect it whether he's completely versed on it or not. And so I think his ability to just have fun and kind of explain things in a different way 
is definitely who he is. So, yes, the Columbus Day one is great, and I'm so glad that a lot of people got to enjoy that one. But I feel like it's much more common than just that. And then just one more Les Miles, he's also being well-versed as an actor, and he just recently put something out about his next movie called The Last Whistle, and he won't be a head coach in this one, but he has a really cool role in it, to say the least. But how awesome is it to see your dad not only be a head coach, be back in the coaching field, but also seeing him be an actor on the big screen? Yeah, it's just another thing that he had fun with. He is a person that's positive and wants to stay busy, so yes, he would have rather been coaching during that time. But it was something that he got to do to expand the things he's done and kind of add to his resume as a person. Obviously, it's not really to be continue being an actor, but just another experience he's had. And it's something that comes up in conversation, whether it's recruiting or just with family, just something that he's learned about. And it's always fun to see him thrive in anything he does. And he really did. He worked at it, and he had fun. We got to hear about that role quite a bit, about him being critical of the coach and so of course we thought that was pretty funny as a family we were like dad i don't know if you can pull that off like you might have been better as the coach but he wanted to do a role that wasn't what he's used to so i'm excited to see that whole movie and i thought the trailer was really cool and definitely my dad's not a bar person he's not a person that would really ever be in a bar so to see him in that setting is pretty funny to me but i'm excited to see the whole thing Smacker, thanks so much for coming on, making some time for us. We'll talk to you down the road, and hopefully you have a great time at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame out in Natchitoches later today. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too, Smacker. You can follow her on Twitter, at Smacker Miles. Also follow Les Miles where you're at it. That's just some phenomenal stuff all the way around. I'm going to take a break. Might just not come back at all, because I feel like this is my walk-off. I can just like go home at this point, because honestly, that was such a great segment great interview always great to talk to her about anything we'll definitely talk to her down the road you're listening to under the dome with cd i've got just enough for one more take though. i'm not gonna walk off and go home but hey we got one more segment let's get to it in just a little bit you're listening to acadiana sports station 1037 game and 1037 game.com and also from the preps i gave it a uh, a 10 a 10 to the pros and everywhere in between Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Just a few more minutes left here. Don't worry. We're nearing the home stretch. Even though I feel like I can just walk off on that and be like Robinson Chirinos. Even possibly Mike Martin right out on top because this has just been such a great show all the way around. Thanks again, Blaine Henry, Allison Posey, Smacker Miles. Those will all be up online very, very soon, especially that Smacker Miles interview because that one was just phenomenal. I was getting texts during the break. I was getting tweets during the segment from our guy Joe McHugh at jmcq 92 saying great interview, and I appreciate everybody for letting me know about that interview because I had her on back in November. Just before the Alabama game, largely because she wound up the whole kick versus defer thing on the Less Is More podcast, which I completely forgot to ask her about, but you know, it is what it is. But I think that wound up probably coming back in the not too distant future, or better yet, just be her the Talking Smack podcast, which would be fantastic to say the least. I'm sure she's probably already thinking about that 
cannot wait to see all the members of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class of 2019. And I mentioned at the top of the show, the big poll question up right now on Twitter, is this year's class the best Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class of all time? And I have to say, yes. And I'll tell you why. We saw a lot of great ones in the past. I mean, Louis Cook got inducted a couple a couple years ago. Obviously, yet Brandon Stoker. He had a lot of great names get inducted in the last several years. But I feel like this one means a lot. When you just look all the way around, right here, right now, this may be one of the best ever because I feel like, you know, we can talk about the headliners. Peyton Manning, Les Miles. Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls over his career. One of the, like, one of the biggest names to come out of Louisiana. Obviously, son of Archie Manning. The guy's just got a built-in legacy. The Manning family has a legacy name on it. Les Miles, 2007 National Championship, was one of the drive. Was a big part of LSU's success, and also kind of how things meandered towards the end. But it's all about the success. You reach the pinnacle of your sport. Roger Cador is the name that's going to spring to mind for me. It's a guy that definitely was trailblazing in the world of like baseball, college baseball as a head coach and recruiting different players and everything in between. Just such a phenomenal like name to kind of throw out there to start things off. When you look at that, when you also look at Matt Donegan, a guy who was swag before swag was a thing, before it became in the modern lexicon of 2019, he was swag before swag. You got a notable voice, a longtime voice of La Tech Bulldogs athletics. Charles Smith, you've got a lot of different things. You've got trailblazers. You've got icons. This is a really cool moment, to say the least, in terms of the Hall of Fame class of 2019. And I'm in agreement with a lot of people on Twitter. 67% yes, 33% no on it. But honestly, I'm surprised we got that many yeses and not quite as many no's. I thought it would have been very much back and forth, very contentious, because you look at a lot of these Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame classes, some of them have a little bit of a stronger name as that headliner. Honestly, I was talking about UFC 238 tonight. You've got three big names to kind of choose from for that. You've also got three big names to choose from when it comes to this. You've got Roger Cador, Les Miles, Peyton Manning. You can bring up Dunnigan. You bring up a lot of big names in this. And it's from all walks of life as opposed to, oh, hey, it's just football, baseball, basketball. you got a horse, horse race. Like I'm a cowboy. you got a cow, rodeo clown, rodeo cowboy. Yet a tennis referee. You get like, all kinds of different levels of this, and it's just fantastic all the way around. I'm out of here. Have a good night, everybody. We got LSU baseball coming up. First pitch, 2 o'clock pregame, one thirty here on 103.7 The Game. And then Astros will be on the rewind, taking on the O's, the Orioles. Pregame, 235, first pitch, 310. The rewind, 97.7 FM, 1330 AM, and 104.1 FM, Mountain Lake Charles. That's where it's at. And I'm out of here, guys. Have a good rest of your Saturday. I'll be back with you on another Saturday afternoon, morning, whatever you want to call it, with another edition of Under the Dome. I think it'll still be just as good as this week's. Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's on! Oh, yeah! Kick it! WB Karen Crow Lafayette.